Jim Joyce. Happy Wednesday. Here we are. Here we are. Happy Wednesday, my friend. Looking good. I like the, I like the beer. Yeah, I, you know, we, we took a couple of days off last week and, you know, it's one of those things to kind of shave. It's an extra effort, right? Um, always. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to just try it. And for the first time in many, many years, I actually went to a barber, you know, obviously not to do anything <laughs> here, but just to kind of clean the stuff up. But, uh, yeah, I like otherwise, it. Uh, keeping busy and just gives me another little habit because I keep like doing this now. So I don't know. <laughs> very good, very good. Where Where are you? Are you uh... um, Orlando? Uh, sunny, okay. sunny Orlando, or semi sunny, sunny Orlando? Uh, just nice. at Boston. I did that. I did those conferences up. Uh, we did a Health Excel event. That's right. I think this was one of the week. first ones in a while that I haven't made it to. Just staying yeah. focused. Staying focused. It was awesome. It was awesome. I think we sent you some photos, and then we did a we did another digital digital health evidence in pharma conference that was also in okay. Boston. So it was kind of a double conference uh, session. Uh, great stuff. Nice. Yeah. yeah, we're we're in Barcelona, but I think a couple of weeks out we'll be heading back to US. So uh, okay, you know, keeping keep keeping keeping ourselves on the go, right? Always. So absolutely. Um, but uh, anyway, we actually have our guest now waiting. Um, and here's my 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 little French underneath whining here. Uh, yep. So I'm gonna let Justin in. Um, awesome, Justin Norden. So he'll do his own, you know, quick in, intro. Actually, not quick. We 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 take our time with our guests' introductions. So uh, <laughs> there you are. Yeah. Hey, Eugene. Welcome, yeah, welcome, hey, welcome, Justin. Justin. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. By the way, we, if you want, we can get rid of my 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 AI note taker. But uh. <laughs> oh no no no! I actually decided to let it in because we're lazy and this show is meticulously unproduced. <laughs> and so I'm gonna ask you to send us the notes. And for the first time ever, I think right. we're gonna add show notes to this. So there you go. Wow. We're just lazy. Wow. We do un, we do no production. Right. right. Uh, the, yep. These these tools are pretty fun. I'm still not using them to their fullest, but. It's pretty amazing, you know, just having something record everything you're doing, typing out beautiful summaries, beautiful notes. Uh, awesome. Listen, we live in a fun world now. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into it. That's one of many reasons, not the only one that we invited you here. Um, but anyway, for all of our millions of listeners and, uh, and viewers, um, would love for you to take us through your life journey, Justin. We got <laughs> sure, time. Sure. So- <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So let me just make sure this might be perfect. So let's see. So uh, it's probably best to start. Um, so for, for everyone, I'm Justin Norton. I'm a physician and partner at GSR Ventures, uh, where we focus on early stage health technology investments, leading seed through Series B investments in health tech. Um, so, but I'll get to more about what we do later. But to to take you back to the very beginning, uh, I grew up in Seattle, and, and that's relevant because I came both from a family of physicians on one side, on both my uh, father and my mother's side, but then also kind of went to the grade school um, where Microsoft was born. And so there was this kind of tech influence, blessing and curse from a young age of, hey, look at these amazing tools. You know, you're required to have a laptop before kind of almost students anywhere in the country were, which now seems super boring, but uh, at, at the time it was exciting to me. Um, but then also, you know, of course, with the, hey, the, the bar for successes is Microsoft and, you know, that you should, <laughs> well, that's what you should go out and do. 
Um, but just carrying kind of those themes forward. Um, I was a tinkerer. I ended up studying computer science in college, but always with the intention of going to med school. Um, okay. And so, and really combining those two things. Um, computer science uh, at the time, just because I was interested and it was fun. Uh, but then really, if you look back and uh, I, I actually need to go, go check this and see exactly what are the perfect quotes from, from my personal statements, but I always wanted to combine technology and medicine. That that was yeah. my goal. That's what really excited me. Um, and and it's obvious when you're you know out in the hospital or seeing a patient, you know you're you're flipped from one one second you're you know interacting with you know new technology, a phone, things like that, and then you're going back to you know the, the dark ages, going 1970s, 1970s or whatever, right? <laughs> um, with technology, and so that that really was kind of the theme to to carry me forward through a few things, and so. Uh, before med school, I did computer science, and I did a master's in computational biology out in England, focused on machine learning and genomics. Um, okay. And it was kind of that data science, machine learning, AI trend that really I kept pulling through medical training and see, see where it would go. Um, so, um, you know, at the end, everyone heard, you know, I ended up as a VC. So clearly, I didn't stay on the normal clinical track uh, for, sure. for, for, for too long, but um, ended up taking a step out first. We launched the Center for Digital Health at Stanford. We're doing okay. some telemedicine visits out of Epic. We're seeing what these new care models looked like. Um, interestingly, we found people really loved mental health um, through telemedicine. You know, sadly, it wasn't you know early enough on some of the investment trends, and then seeing some of that as you know, mental health really exploded in that way, and has really been kind of the crown jewel, I would say, yep. today in terms of telemedicine adoption and where things have stuck. Um, mm. But you know, that was the first experience. We're also evaluating new technologies for the hospital. Um, I saw how hard it was to integrate new technologies into the hospital and the healthcare right. setting. You know, right. It's not as simple as you know building a, a good tool. It's really how does this fit into our complicated workflows and incentive structures in healthcare. Um, ended up getting uh, pulled out for for yet another graduate degree to go to business school at Stanford, um, and just saw a lot more about kind of the other complicated parts of healthcare. I think my goal was always to have impact. How can technology really create change and make people's lives better and healthier? Um, and it turned out actually the incentives and, and business side of it is important or just as important or more important. And we can have that debate um, as right. a technology and, and ideas in, in medicine themselves. Um, it, and so, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's interesting you use the word incentives because I think, you know, if, and there's probably more of a philosophical discussion, but there's a lot of disincentives, right, in on the business side right. of the healthcare, right? So, uh, but but to your point, figuring that out is a key component in delivering care, but also billing for that care, right? Absolutely, and you know, there's too many books now. We have a we have a sick care system. We don't pay for preventative health. You know, we just pay for more procedures. The more you come in to see me in my office, the more I do to you, the more more I get paid, and um, it really just is is driving so many of the issues we have and making adoption so much harder. Um, as exactly as you said, those those disincentives to to keeping people healthy, um, mm. and you know after that, you know like like any good Stanford Stanford student, if you're on campus for so long, you know had to try my my own hand um, at a company. So did a stint at Apple for a couple of years on the healthcare team, getting to launch some of the healthcare features, and then you know went on to to start my start my own company. We were thinking about algorithm safety and trust. How do we measure these things? As we're moving from you know algorithms that are serving people ads to algorithms and safety critical systems like 
an artificial pancreas or an autonomous vehicle? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we know just how safe these things are and how and how and when they fail? Um, ultimately, we found actually that there wasn't a market at this point mm, in okay. the medical device world. We were too early. They weren't interested in cutting edge, you know, uh, AI tools at this time, but we did find a market in the autonomous vehicle world. And so I ended up selling that company to Waymo, um, where some of the technologies, you know, being used to think about how we measure the safety of an autonomous vehicle. Um, after that, I ended up jumping over to the GSR Ventures team as someone who had a healthcare background, was a physician, ended up kind of working in tech and starting my own company, which is a little bit of the makeup of, kind of the partners we have at GSR. Um, and, you know, now I get to focus on working with other founders and people really using these cutting edge new tools and software uh, technologies to make a difference in healthcare. Um, so I've been at GSR Ventures for almost four years now uh, and can talk more, more about that if you guys are interested. Awesome. What a background. Jeez. What are you, 85? 85. <laughs> I guess the, the, the last thing I'll, I'll mention, which, which is fun, is uh, recently have come, come back to Stanford. My, my okay. wife likes to say I, I never wanted to leave and never do want to leave, um, but where right. I'm an adjunct professor in the Department of Biomedical Informatics and so teach on digital health, you know, a lot about the incentives and different tools in healthcare, but then this quarter, right. of course, on generative AI and medicine, how are we using these new tools? What's happening on a week by week basis? Because that's really the pace that the field is moving right now. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's been a, a ton of fun. And I think lack of ambition probably defines your career. We wouldn't even want to take our own notes, right? We didn't even want to take our own notes to the other thing, you know, meticulously unproduced. Well, well, well I, I don't either. I don't either. That's why that's why we're using AI. So, you know, yeah. uh, amongst all of that, there's a, there's a laziness, right? Of like this, you know, optimistic, but lazy to kind of figure out right. how, how do you, how do you best work? It, it, it's, actually, it, it's actually Go funny ahead. because I've, I've been testing the otter, but I'm going to now compare fireflies to otter. See how okay. how the two compare. I'm gonna start using that. I, and I also switched. I also oh, switched. switched. Okay. I have okay. you know, no stake in either companies. No, you know, no financial <laughs> yeah. disclosures in this. Right. So it's so can better. the the thing I want to jump right into, and I, we can go Eugene, we can go over, but like so that oh. four year window is a really interesting window. So if you start investing, you know, obviously you did. You know, you had you've been. It sounds like you've been keeping close to the whole health tech space forever. But um, but that four years, like, what? How would you define like? starting at GSR four years ago to now and what's what are you seeing yeah no it's one it's word fun. Justin. no I'm kidding one word oh, fun okay uh, fun was good fun was good fun uh changing um uh, th those are those th those would be the the, the two parts but but different right. different yeah. always um right. and you know it, it's exactly right you know I mean, even if you think about digital health from even before I jumped over to the investing side, right? You know, when I was bugging people and my professors about, you know, hey, I'm interested in technology and software and how it impacts medicine, you know, maybe the business side. And this was even before I jumped over to, to business school. But it's like, oh, hey, you're, you're a, you know, seem like a smart guy interested in these things. You know, you should look at like biotech. You know, let me right. connect you with these biotech. Like digital health wasn't even a thing to go right. find. There weren't people sure. doing this. Um, right. It was so nascent. Um, and right, you know, I'm sure everyone in here has seen the Rock Health data looking at, you know, a billion dollars invested, you know, roughly in 2012 or so yeah. to the $29 billion in 2021 to wherever the numbers are, are, are balancing out today. Um, right. But right, the field was so nascent as I was kind of bouncing around. And it's like, oh, well, hey, if you want to do business stuff, you know, go to a payer, go go to biotech, you know, that's where things are happening. It's like, no, 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 right. no. Like, I'm interested in software. I think this has potential. This is where I want to. But apply. if you think about like maybe going granular, like what was getting funded four years ago versus what was getting what's getting funded today, not just your own portfolio, but what do you think? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the types of lots of the types of companies are similar. Okay. You know, say for a few categories, um, you know, and Eugene and I have talked about this, have have struggled uh, uh, in terms of kind of what has changed from 2019 today. But lots of the things are the same. You know, we're, we've had okay. AI companies, you know, back then that were funded in 2019. You know, yep. interestingly, valuations were, if you really, really were an AI company, aren't that different, might even be actually higher. That's probably the right. one category where valuations are still higher today. If you okay. are squarely in the generative AI camp or yep. company and are doing well, that's the one place where you still see 2021, you know, valuations. Um, okay. Tech-enabled services were funded back then and are funded today. I would say that has slightly trended down as people have probably got more skeptical yep. of, wait a second, what are these margin profiles? Right. How what long is this going to take? Are we, are we really a services <laughs> company or a tech company? How much money is this going to yeah, take no. when the yeah. capital environment is much tougher and realizing how much farther you have to go? So I'd say that's a category that has maybe trended, you know, maybe not quite in, in the right direction. You know, digital therapeutics has been a tougher area as we've seen some of the big companies really, really struggle. Um, obviously, you know, pairs bankruptcy news yep. and then the kind of asset sales, you know, has put a bit of a cloud. Um, but at the same time, you know, people are still believe it's the future, believe it's where things are going. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll and, get there. And, of, and buying the assets back for a fraction. So shout out to Corey. I mean, let's see what, what they he, do next with it. Did he complete yeah. it? Oh, did you he, didn't see that? Um, I, I'm, well, I, I heard people talking about Brian, it. it was yeah, it just I mean, Brian, I heard Brian talking. reported on it that that was the final bid. And I think that was accepted. Um, so I think they have the... The assets. I don't, you know, I don't know what the formal, the formalization process of it is, but wow. Well, you know, let's see. When Corey is ready to talk, we'll get him back on the shot. But that's, <laughs> right, a, whole right, other, right. that's a whole other. Um, but yeah, so DTX. Sorry, we, we we always because it's meticulously produced, we just shoot the shit. Um, <laughs> but I, I I do want if there's other categories, keep listing them. But I do want I think for our listeners, many entrepreneurs watch this uh, kind of back up to GSR uh, to uh, you know to to kind of describe a little bit your thesis and what you guys look for and into uh, and go from there. Yeah, yeah. So at GSR, you know, we're focused on healthcare technology companies and working with founders that truly want to transform how we're delivering healthcare or making that possible. Um, and so the, the way I like to think about that is, you know, when we're doing something or targeting a new area, this isn't a 10 or 20% improvement. How are we delivering a 2X, 3X, 10X improvement over the status quo. Um, so not taking a small shop, but really taking kind of that, that big vision. And so, you know, that, that's included things like software for clinical trials, reimagining how, how we're delivering care, companies like Medable. Um, yeah. It's included uh, companies like Alpha doing asynchronous telemedicine, where we're not just, you know, 10 to 20% more efficient as a care delivery platform. We can be 3X uh, plus more more efficient in terms of, you know, costs to deliver that care and making that convenient able to right. see patients who are uninsured or, or, or cash pay to, to, to make this happen. Um, you know, it's included, you know, sectors like digital therapeutics where we made a big bet um, where, you know, the vision of can we deliver software um, as a potential therapy, FDA approved, evidence-based, you know, instead of potentially needing to go through kind of more human-based treatments, you know, that fundamentally changes kind of the equation for how we can deliver care in our healthcare system. And, and that's and so the Limbics. like that really get us excited. And that's that we companies about, like Limbics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, companies like Applied VR, companies who oh, yeah. have uh, amazing products and are figuring out um, and working in, in the go-to-market, but their products work. 
Um, you know, right. People want them. They really can help their patients. And there's huge, huge kind of underserved um, um, populations that that could really benefit from tools like this. Um, and, and then the, the, the last sector, you know, I'll just mention is just, yeah. is really kind of AI. And this has been a, a sector, you know, obviously my, myself running an AI company before, but then coming into this where how can we kind of use these new tools to kind of fundamentally make us more efficient and change how, how we're delivering that? And, and specifically, at least for me, I'm much more interested in augmentation of the healthcare workforce than, than complete automation. Um, mm. And we can get into that more and why that's the case from a regulatory standpoint, from just a go-to-market standpoint. Um, but, you know, this is a sector we've been investing in for, for, for quite a while now and just continue to be more excited about today. And all with U- U.S. centricity? All with U.S. centricity for what, what we're doing in healthcare. The, okay. the firm at large uh, has invested all over the world in technology broadly. In the U.S., our team is pretty much 100% healthcare focused. Every okay. once in a while, you know, we, we keep on top of technology and through relationships and, you know, the fund's been around since 2004, spun out of Mayfield, so deep relationship with the Valley. So occasionally we'll make bets outside of healthcare, but healthcare is the focus. Got it. And and Jim, just a quick comment and shout out to my other podcast, the professionally produced one and the one that I'm cheating <laughs> on you with, but uh, Josh from Applied VR and Benny from Limbix were all right. guests on it. So you know, yeah. for the ones that are listening to this, uh, just shout out to those guys. Yeah, um, awesome. So let, I mean, Chet, there's probably to your point, things change weekly. Um, so maybe kind of tell us, you know, 40,000 foot view, what you're seeing. And then as always, we're going to start peeling the onion and, and asking all kinds of weird questions. Sure. So 40,000 foot view, Eugene, just on the investment broadly, or you want to talk about, you want to talk no, about sorry. AI? So let's, let's, let's zoom into the AI, right? Um, yeah. I know you and I had some discussions, you know, over the last couple of months as well. So, uh, yeah, just and curious when does, what you're and finding. I, remember, I asked the question. I was if it was considered controversial, but when does the first AI doctor prescribe a medication? Oh, you did ask <laughs> that was a I, couple of episodes ago, right? <laughs> right, I got annoyed everyone. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. It's, it's going to be controversial here. So let's zoom out for forty thousand foot foot view. Yep. So, right, AI and in, in healthcare, and you know, I have, I have lectures on this, but. Right. You know, we've talked about this for decades and decades, right? The first papers were coming out in the medical literature years and years ago. Um, and if you want to, you can send this graph of, you know, it was like one paper, zero paper, one paper a year. And then if you just look, you know, over the past few years has totally exploded. Um, but like healthcare and AI, right? Let's let's start with our, our history. It's had a, you know, kind of marred experience, I would say, with a lot of healthcare executives and people talking it. So like the, the biggest, you know, event we probably have to talk about in the last decade is like, let's look at Watson. Let's look at this yeah, catastrophic right. failure and huge promise, media hype, we're going right. to solve cancer and deliver nothing. And right, you know, the story kind of came to a close when it got sold for parts right, right uh, a year ago or a year and a half ago or so now. Um, and so this was, it really had this huge promise that delivered nothing. It just wasn't there yet. It wasn't good enough. Um, right. And I think that's that's where we can we can start is, you know, people have been excited about this for at least the past decade in a, in a right. meaningful way um, of, hey, you know, can we have a replace doctors? You know, by the way, 50 percent of doctors are below average. Like, oh, my gosh, uh, the, the, the crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff and things like this. Um, how can we use these tools to, to help out? 50 um, percent. What do you say? 50 percent are in the bottom 50 percent. And no one no one wants that. So how, how, how can we augment these tools? And what has really changed and like, let's zoom outside of just healthcare for a second. 
as you watch these trends on natural language processing, understanding, transcription, image processing, you see these things kind of move from academia where these charts will show, you know, hey, we were at, you know, 20% of human capacity, 30%, 40%, 50%. And then all of a sudden in the past few years in a bunch of different categories cross the human threshold of, you know, for instance, like take transcription, you know, right. our you know, Firefly's AI note taker on this call would will do better than any of us could do typing. Will it do perfect? No, it, it won't. No. And that's something we'll get to later. But it's now better performant than any of us could do typing and doing it, doing it by hand. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's what we started to see with AI across a number of different categories. Um, and now let's bring it back to, to medicine. So as these tools, right, we just celebrated, right, you know, six months of, you know, chat GPT being launched. Obviously, we've well, had transformers. Well, what was the celebration like? Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't see anyone. Uh, my wife, I think, was hoping I'd stop talking about this stuff. That, that has not, that has not yeah. happened. Yeah, um, talking to Chat Chat GPT. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of got up and gave a great speech. <laughs> was... Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but what what really changed was all of a sudden, right? And people have been trying to use AI tools on, you know, medical questions, or you know, let's use it on step one, step two. You know, step two being the final exam of medical school um, to say, hey, you've reached you know proficiency, good enough to you know be a doctor um, in the U.S. And these things were terrible. They were basically at chance for a long time and they just couldn't do it. They couldn't get there. And then all of a sudden, right, ChatGPT comes out in November. And then all of a sudden, you know, it got 59% on step two. Some researchers tested this, which is just that kind of that near passing level. But then right. what's even crazier is a few months later, testing it on GPT-4, all of a sudden it got to 89%, you know, roughly yep. in the 95th percentile, right. all of a sudden near the top of the class. Also to the point where we're not even, you know, being able to distinguish that well anymore what questions were right and wrong. You know, if you right. have, you know, you look at imaging on the radiology side where these things also just really improved over the past few years and now are much more generalizable, um, you know, as you have doc expert doctors rate images and say, does this, is this, you know, this diagnosis or that diagnosis, you know, or, you know, you're only at best, you're getting a you know, four out of five agreement. And so all of a right. sudden these tools really were at, you know, physician proficiency or above um, on yep. our ways to measure wow. it. and and then that's that, that's game changing. How do we deal with that from, you know, Jim, your question of a regulatory standpoint of when will we actually have the first AI written prescription? You know, right. uh, what does it mean for, for a long time? We're still going to have doctors clicking the button, even if AI did all the work, <laughs> right? right, right? right. <laughs> um, and, and we've already seen, and, you know, you can right. you know, question some of the, you know, prescription practices we had with telemedicine and maybe overprescription. In yeah. certain cases, um, yeah. doctors were still the ones, you know, with their license on the line doing it. It's, it wasn't AI or wasn't a doesn't even need to be AI, a software system decision tree saying right. that they should write this prescription. Um, and I think that's the way it's going to be for a while. Uh, right. But uh, these it, tools are going to start to get used. It's really interesting because, I, you know, just the way you phrase that, it's like this idea of it. it's less about the competency and it's more about the accountability. Right. You know, so so and, and is it is it can I ask a question like in the naive is it really such a black box? So I think that's what it makes everyone uncomfortable, right? Is that the idea that these programs are developing and we really can't understand, we can't unpack them. Is that true or can we? You know, when we, you know, when they come up with an answer and we can't see the methodology, which is so much against science, right? So we, we can and, and we can't okay. is, is kind of the, the short version. So if you look at, at these things and even, you know, prompting these systems now to get better performance. You can do something called you know, chain of chain of thought, 
where it's like, I don't want the answer, you know, ChatGPT, I want the answer, like walk me through your reasoning, show me how this works. Is okay. that really reasoning? Not right. necessarily, right? These systems are still probabilistic. They're choosing, you know, yeah. the next best character or token or word in, okay. in response, but you can see something. Is that explainable? Right. No. Um, right. You know, if, you know, OpenAI hasn't shared too much about GPT-4, other yep. than it was expensive to train, but we're not going to tell you what data we trained it on, how long right. we trained it, how many parameters, et cetera, it has. But other models are coming out where where they are telling telling us this. Right. They yeah. are telling us what data it was trained on, what this, where this came from, how they did it, and all the details and open source. Hey, hey, look at that yourself. And so this is right. actually something that you know I'm noodling around in my head now of like, what is the future of these models in healthcare when there is a huge prize for, I want to know all the steps as a physician of how this happened, why it's safe, what mm -hmm. it's going to do for my patients. Um, and I can't necessarily know that about, you know, GPT-4, but, right. you know, do we as a field move towards an open source model that we can see from start to finish how this was done? Does it mean we know everything about how right. this happened? No, right. but we can know a lot more and we can know right. it wasn't trained on Reddit. It was trained on, for example, up to date or something right. of, of that course. So, uh, it's not a complete black box, but we certainly don't know everything today. And it's funny, it is a, there's a litigiousness to, certainly to the U.S. health, like I'm, I'm based in Dublin, Ireland, but like um, there's a litigiousness to the U.S. healthcare system, right? And it's this idea that like, you know, it's the perfect process to get the wrong answer is better than the right answer sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so it's like, okay, perfect. Yeah, we, we you know, the, unfortunately the patient didn't make it, but we had a beautiful process, you know? <laughs> But Jim, you brought back the litigious piece because uh, given the fact that Justin, you sort of came from the auto industry and a lot of the AI components, I mean, if you think about the legitimacy uh, and the decision-making process of what that car needs to do, and I know not much more beyond this, but, you know, I read some discussions around the ethics, like, does the, you know, does the car itself make a decision, God forbid something, does it run over a young kid or an elderly, Right. And all right. those things, because that's part of the reason why you kind of have to keep your hand on the wheel because it's ultimately still. So back to the right. prescription question, because Justin never answered, right? I think this will just, <laughs> um, th this just kind of parallels it, right? How long, how long yeah. has that been, right? Like from, a, you know, uh, from car industry, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, and it's, I, I love drawing the analogy to, to cars and especially just because I, I think I'm probably, let, let me know, call me out, you know, Eugene, you know me well enough if I'm wrong in this, but I, I think I'm probably the only physician, at least that I've met to work in the autonomous vehicle industry <laughs> and, and come over, which I recommend I, to no one. By I don't know if anyone else, but, <laughs> but we can survey your generation out of Seattle, maybe, I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, but, but I, I think the, the thing that's really fascinating about this is a one, you know, we have cars driving around San Francisco now, we have the Waymos and the Cruises, you know, starting to do their deployments both here in Phoenix and some other cities now. Um, the, we don't have, you know, full level five driving around fully with, without guard, guardrails yet, but, but it's, you know, we're, yep. we're, we're inching our, our way forward and making progress. Um, interestingly, if I compare driving a car autonomously to delivering medicine autonomously, the funny thing is we're as, as, a, as humans were versus physicians, we're way, way better at driving cars, right? We, we have a fatality every one and, you know, every million, 10 million miles, right? right? You know, every person, every patient will have a, you know, medical misdiagnosis that leads to, to harm in their lifetime, almost every patient. And so 
if you wow. start to just compare how good we are at getting the answer right every time in medicine versus driving our car from point A to B, it's you know orders of magnitude. Different. Right, worse. Um, <laughs> yeah. w- worse, worse in healthcare. Yeah. And so yeah. that's the interesting thing as we start to compare these, you know, these systems of how does a fully autonomous car start to operate versus a fully autonomous medical decision maker. Uh, the the thing that gets me excited about these tools in healthcare is the bar is far lower to show an improved right. outcome. Right, it is far far lower to show an improved outcome. And so to, to your question around, you know, do we have a fully autonomous prescription being delivered? That's a regulatory question, right? Right. The, the, the capacity is, is there today to do it. And will, will it be perfect today? Absolutely not. It absolutely right. won't be perfect, but compare it to the alternative of no care, no right. access, um, right. you know, waiting, waiting, waiting. Um, interestingly, these tools could, could do better today. And so, you know, I think on the autonomous, you know, diagnosis side, you know, I, I guess we can talk about it now. It's been up for a while. I was kind of reticent before, but you know, uh, Martin Shkreli, right? You know, the famous, infamous yeah. You know, yeah. character in healthcare a few weeks right. ago launched Dr. Gupta.ai, where yeah. he has this big disclaimer saying, you know, your data is not protected. This is not medical advice. You can't sue me, whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm sure a bunch of other things. And then it's like, right. let's right. diagnose you. Uh, granted, granted, you know, this is probably very much in the gray right. to like black for the FDA, right? It's intended yeah. use, even though I say it's not intended use. It's, you know, this is yeah. trying to, you know, give medical advice. Um, and yet if you really, really put, push me on it, it's like, if every patient journey, I'm assuming it's just GPT four under the hood or something equivalent. Right. Um, I, right. I don't know. I haven't spent that much time with it, but if every patient journey across the U S or the world started with a GPT four diagnosis tree, right. would that be better than the random walk patients take to whatever their healthcare is? Uh, they happen to have a cousin who's a biology major, major, you know, they, right. they Google something they just wait because it's not bad enough and people don't want to deal with it. Would right. that be better an entry point to the system? Probably. Right. Um, right. And so it's going to be a fun few years for the world. And pr- granted, it's probably not going to happen in the U S first, probably right. somewhere else is going to say, Hey, we have the need. These tools are pretty good. We think we can do better for right. our country. We're going to solve a bunch of, yeah, yep. we're going to take this first step. Um, and and right. the U S probably will, will, will lag in that, um, yeah. but it's going to be an interesting, interesting few years. Yeah. And that's can, wild. Can we dive in? Cause you know, healthcare is notoriously, we'd be talking about interoperability for God knows how long, just as an example. Right. So let's take the same concept to the openness of generative AI and learning models. Right. Um, and maybe, for our listeners, Justin, if like in a minute, you can kind of describe what a learning model is since you're the, the professor here. But the reason I'm bringing this up, right, is, you know, why an entity, whatever entity, healthcare, you know, you're gathering everything from conversations to discussions to et cetera. Why am I contributing to the even OpenAI or Microsoft to teach their models with my data? right? Quote, unquote. And yes, it's ultimately patient data versus having, you know, your own copies or your own learning models, et cetera. And, you know, for the greater good of the learning, but just, I, I don't know if I'm asking, if I'm all over the place with this question today. <laughs> you're, you're, all, you're all over the place, but let me, let me yeah. try to parse that. Out okay. Okay. So, yeah. So what, let's start with like, what, what are, that's fair. That's fair. You're, you're ahead. So what are, what are large language, language models? Right, so these are models trained on huge amounts of for, for language, you know, language data. And what are they doing? They're using these big neural nets to learn associations between words. If I have, you know, words which are broken down into tokens, but just think of them as words, 
if I have this string of words coming, what is the probability that the next word? So if you know uh, the cat and the dog go to the blank park, right. house, etc. I now use this model to say, what is the probability of this next token or word that's coming next? Um, and again, trained on you know billions and billions of, of conversations, essentially you can think about it as the whole internet. Um, and right. some of these models show exactly you know which data sets they trained on. All of a the sudden, these got really, really powerful and really good. And yep. so again, it's this probabilistic model of what comes next. Um, so people are just kind of, oh, this isn't thought, this isn't that just interesting, it's just you know statistics. And yet, like pretty amazing things are happening. Things that look right. like reasoning, things that look, you know, like understanding, things that look, you know, actually there's a study this week, you know, things that are right, better essays than students, period, right. right? Teachers, you know, all found and rated those essays better, which was a new study that, that came out this week, which, which we, we all knew, but right. you know, nice to have right. an academic study to, to back it up. So, so, that's, so that's what these models are doing. And then, you know, now we're starting to apply these models, right, across all sorts of places in healthcare. Right, the Epic announcement saying that, hey, we're going to work on this on patient messaging. So Eugene, you send me a message. And right. before I send it back to you or have to write anything, let's have an auto-drafted response right. uh, for based on, hey, you wanted a prescription for a refill for your allergy medication. And so maybe I can have an auto-drafted response of, sounds great. Um, let's go do that and send it to you. Um, yep. And so that's what's starting to happen now, now in, in healthcare. Right. You know, what's wild is, is, is I, I always think like when I think of clinicians, right. And I think it's probably kind of a little bit like, I think, I actually think clinicians and venture capitalists are quite similar in some ways in that sense that they, they got a process like, you know, you, you walk into a clinical office and you have to kind of go through, you know, or you have 10 patients that come to you and you have to kind of analyze them you know, as you're walking through and come up with your diagnosis and then you have like these startups come in. So you get this kind of complex, rich, nuanced something in front of you and you have to kind of clinically analyze them uh, and come up with an opinion. Do we invest or do we not invest? You know, what's the diagnosis? But there's a kind of a confidence in it, right? There's a, there's this kind of, this kind of, you know, cocksuredness of, of the, of the clinician that says, Hey, um, this is what you have. And, and then you're like, oh, thank God someone knows what I have. I know what my condition is, right? And then almost, and so here's what I'm going to give you. You know, you know, this is what your condition, here's what I'm going to give you. And you're like, oh, thank God. And then almost the placebo effect of this confidence. And then the chat GPT is doing this to us now, right? It's going like, here's the exact answer. And they have this confidence. And then you, and then you go look at the answer. It's like, it's like sometimes it's bullshit. Right? Like you're looking, you're like, what's the hallucinate, so, the hallucinating so GPT? Yeah, yeah exactly. it's so yeah. confident, you know. But it feels like, and then you realize, like, wait, hey, have the physicians been kind of? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no it, it, it's absolutely right. And you know, I, I would say both, both for the physician viewpoint or venture capitalist viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, you can walk through this process and you try to, you know, for medicine understand your history of present illness, chief complaint. Uh, allergies, et cetera, medications, past, blah, blah, blah. And you're trying to make an answer. Um, and then same thing, you know, for, you know, a pitch, you can say, okay, what's the founding team? What's the market size? What's the current product traction? Then try to give an answer. The truth is in both areas, we're wrong all the time. <laughs> right. Um, right. Confidently wrong in, in many cases. <laughs> um, and, and, and so, and so are, and so are these, these AI tools, which is, I think the, the scary different part to people, right? Cause like Google always gave an answer, but it didn't say like, this is what you yeah. have. It just, you know, when you Google search something, it always pops up, you know, I have night sweats, weight loss, cancer, 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 right? This is always what, what <laughs> right. pops up. Um, and now it's just structured in a way that feels more like language and is 
telling you, hey, like this is this is the most likely thing, you know. And if right. you're using, you know, oh, open eye comes with this, you know, this is not medical advice, you know, we don't do this. Yeah. You should consult your doctor. But here, right. here's your answer. And you know, the funny thing that the medical term that people like to use instead of hallucination is confabulation, where it's not like <laughs> meaning to give this answer, but it's just trying to do something, string together something that you know sounds great. Um, and it's trying right. to be the response, but just has things that are made up uh, inside of it. Um, and so that's a, a term people like to use in medicine that we describe as, as conditions that, that patients can have where people will, will say things and right, like, you know, even very smart people will, will get things wrong and, and misremember things. And, and, right. and so we, we see that same behavior, right, right, right. With, with these models. And, and there's ways yeah. in the field of research is, you know, advancing every week to try to counter that you know, citations was a big one. People realized that you could ask early on, chat, yeah. hey, write me this essay and, that, and put citations. And it's like, oh, great. Here's this medical paper from 2006 and 2004. And it's like, oh, wait, the title and the author completely made up. Don't exist. <laughs> um, but now there are tools to say, take that same response, put it back through a prompt now with yeah. like internet search enabled and search and verify that all these citations exist and are real. And if they don't, then re rewrite some section. Right. And so there's this amazing ability to start to iterate look for factual errors, check things on, you know, if you have right. a raw data source to make sure it was pulled properly. And so we're, we're learning as a field how to counteract these things and get better and better, but, but they still exist and it's not going to be perfect. Um, and this is why I kind of bring back to this point before of this fully automated system, I think is going to be scary for a long time because it's not going to be perfect. Right. However, can it be used to augment and get 99% of the way there? 95% of the way there, depending on what that problem is, that's still hugely, hugely beneficial. Um, right. And so that's and where I think we should play first. Yeah. So Justin, you think the technology, some of the points right along the value chain are ready today, right? Uh, but again, the longest pole in that tent will be the regulatory framework ultimately, right? And who is responsible, who is accountable, you know, who gets sued and how, right? At the end of the day, <laughs> and that will take, you know, decades uh most likely just that's my i certainly hope not no I, right. listen no, I, I, I hope not either but i just i you know again that's why i compared it to the uh the auto industry a bit right i mean when did the first autonomous vehicles were even kind of thought up probably 20 right. years ago ish yeah i mean i mean and some of the first you know uh you know google google's versions of hey we can have a car drive on the highway and realizing right. very quickly, oh, shoot, this is like so good that people are falling asleep um, right. behind the wheel and like, oh, right. shoot, what, what do we do? Um, yep. I will bet, though, on the regulatory side, we're, we're squarely in the under 10 years camp. Uh, okay. Before, yep. maybe to, 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 to your yep. point, before we have, we'll have an automatic prescription in the under 10 years. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that side of the bet. And take I, side, I, okay. think, I think, and we'll, we'll see. So we, we, could, we can chat in a, in a few years. But I, yep. I think it's because this technology is kind of ubiquitous today and will be impossible to ignore. Right. Right. And, and, and everyone right. is, is scrambling. They, they, they know this, right. The, um, we right. had a panel a number of weeks ago at Stanford, we had uh, Troy, the new head of digital health for the, for the FDA, you know, he comes, right. he came from Oracle, right. For, for years leading kind of their cloud healthcare transformation. He's, and he, he knows this is, this is a top issue to figure out. And so he's working, right. um, you know, with, with, with Mickey Tripathi from the, the ONC on, on health IT to figure this out. And so we're not going to have to wait that long before right. there's more and more. And yep. they've already released tons of guidance on AI and 
and it's going to be a little bit boiled. It's going to be kind of boil the frog kind of strategy here. There's so much impact and this, you know, healthcare is not accessible. Like we all had cars, you know, the fact that now it can be driverless, you know, we still had access to car transportation, but there's so many people that don't have access to healthcare. So it just, it feels like a different accelerant there, you know? Yeah. And again, that's, that's the funny thing about, you know, the tools that are launched, like Martin Screlly's thing where, People are going to use, people are using ChatGPT for self-diagnosis today. Right. Yep. right. This, right. This, is, this isn't, it's kind of, I mean, there's a little bit yeah. of like, hey, we see yeah. no evil here, no evil, of like, <laughs> right. what's happening. Right. But like, no, yeah, yeah. like these, these things are out there now. Okay. People are using them. Again, we've had our comps before with Google and Google searching and coming in for medical diagnosis. But but these things are so ubiquitous now that we we are going to figure out frameworks. I'm, I'm, I'm confident we're going to figure out frameworks for, right. for how and where to use these. But from Eugene, your question of where do we start? We start away from all the clinical stuff, right? Right. We start away. We start all yep. on the on the admin side of it. Like, what is yep. like the yep. number one square, you know, best simplest use case where you know there's probably like a thousand comes now starting to do this. Is right, right, right. You know, right. Uh, clinician notes. Right. You know, right. you can now use you know the Whisper OpenAI tool to transcribe you know audio to text and put that text with basically nothing else into a GPT-4 prompt saying, turn this text into a medical note and bam, it's probably oh. better than any of the technology that existed six right. months ago. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. And next thing you know, it's like the prior auth edits that, you know, it's gonna be a machine talking to a machine negotiating. Right, um, you know, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely, we're doing prior auth from that note, we're doing coding from that note. Are they, yeah. and are they perfect? No, or are systems now perfect? No. Is yeah, there room no. to improve? You know, yes, yes. Is there fine tuning all these other things? But off the shelf, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy, right? Well, listen, um, we could absolutely do this Tim Ferriss style for probably two and a half, three hours uh, <laughs> by itself, but uh, we are limited in time. So why don't we jump to Jim's last famous question? Awesome. So okay, so Justin, uh, go back in the. Uh, well, okay, so picture yourself. Um, at Stanford, you're giving a phenomenal lecture on uh, on how you know, one of the, yeah <laughs> on one of the investments that you made, how you you know you diagnose the opportunity inside the market for this investment. You're, you're, and you've captivated the audience. Everyone's listening at this you know successful, come uh, almost like a congratulatory speech of how this phenomenal AI investment transformed healthcare. And this young student in the back of the class kind of looks like you. And is kind of is intently staring at you, and he comes running up after class, and he goes, "Professor, um, or doctor, professor," he says, uh, "He says I, I've I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I've got this idea. I'm actually from Seattle. My parents are physicians. I was born in a laboratory outside of Microsoft, <laughs> <laughs> and I've got this idea for uh, for a, a robotic." AI-powered driving autonomous medical delivery system, and he's kind of there. And you look at this this incredibly talented young student. What's the one piece of advice you'd give him? The the, the one piece of advice would be, you know, give it a shot and, and worry less. I, I think, and that was something that you know some mentors you know tried to uh, tried to to tell tell me before is like, hey, you just you have you have all these ideas, you know. Don't, don't don't worry so much uh, about it. You know, if you're if you're if you're excited about something, if you're passionate about about making a change, um, you know, working on things that are you know going to be valuable to people, w- worry less about it. The exact you know early on, I think 
you know, in, in my career. And I think especially for everyone going to medicine or going through kind of these, these academic, you know, funnels is like every next step has to be perfect. It has to be this next best thing. There's one path. It's all under my control. I control everything. And the truth is none of us do. Um, but right. but as, a, as a young student, and you almost have to believe that everything is planned out. And especially in academia, if I get the right scores and the right GPA, then I'll get into the right med school, which lead to the right med residency and you know, fellowship, postdoc, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the truth is we, we can't predict everything. There, there's not a perfect path. Um, and so do work that excites you, that, that gets you up in the morning, that you know, will have an impact and, and, and help people and, and it'll, it'll figure itself out. And so we're, we're awesome. worry less what would be the- Awesome, I love that. Hakuna Matata, right? Is Hakuna that it? Matata, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, give it, give it, give it a shot. Worry less from the shot of digital health. <laughs> that was awesome. Ooh, love it. Thank you very much, Justin, for joining us, and uh, for our listeners and viewers, hit subscribe, pass it on, and uh, hopefully, see you next week.